everyone, and welcome to The Star's Turn, Cosmos and Cards. I'm your host, Jay. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this journey through the cosmos. This week, we're going to do something a little different, I guess, than something we've done before. Typically, I feel like I have themes of a sort for every episode, certainly the you know, big Zodiac season themed episodes, but then also, you know, like Venus and the Sun moving through Libra or whatever other such titles that I cannot remember at this moment. But for whatever reason, while I was, you know, kind of looking ahead to December, the week of December 4th through 10th kind of just really caught my attention might have something to do with that really big full moon, which we will dive all all deep into or whatever. But something about it kind of intrigued me. And so I thought, let's just talk about the whole week. So the, yeah, there's just something about the overall story in this week. And I guess just up front, I'll say there's going to be more cosmos than cards in this episode because there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven transits that I'm going to talk about. Well, five transits and two planets moving into new signs. So there's a lot to discuss. There is a There are a couple of cards that I'm going to touch on along the way, but less cards this week. But yeah, this week kind of jumped out at me as a kind of like a peak point, a grand finale, but actually maybe more like a mid-season finale. I don't know if shows still do that. I mean, I remember that The Walking Dead used to do that. They would have like that really big episode and then go away for like two months or something and come back. So the season wasn't over, but it's still a turning point, right? Like something was always shifting quite significantly. And the energy in this week, I think, is shifting quite significantly. Things are going to quiet down after this week. We are moving into Capricorn, like Capricorn season isn't starting, but two planets are moving into Capricorn and that's really going to shift the energy away from all the mutable activity that we've had going on. Uh, We're also halfway through Mars retrograde. Thank fucking the goddess. Thank fucking the goddess. Thank the fucking goddess. And we're shifting from a lot of more challenging aspects that we had kind of throughout November and at the beginning of December. And then we're shifting into some more easeful and kind of cooperative aspects in the middle and end of December. So this is kind of what I alluded to in the Sagittarius season episode was that, you know, once we get some planets moving into Capricorn, the energy is going to shift quite significantly. Another thing I noticed about this week was the pattern that Venus and Mercury are making. So I think you know from my Sun and Venus and Libra episode that I love when planets kind of follow each other super closely in the Zodiac. It always, for me, in my opinion anyway, makes for a very interesting story. So for instance, during this first full week of December, Mercury and Venus are following the same pattern as they make some final aspects Uh, in their visit through Sagittarius, and then move into Capricorn. There's just something about them being at the end of Sagittarius and then shifting into Capricorn that really speaks to that culmination, the mid-season finale energy. You know, they've got these final few things to wrap up or face up to or learn something from while in Sagittarius, and then 
they start this whole new chapter in Capricorn. And for further context, you know, last time Venus was in Capricorn, she had a retrograde cycle, as did Mercury, though it was kind of shared with Aquarius. But Mercury's transit through Capricorn in 2022, nope, wow, in 2023, I guess 2022, 2023. All right, I wasn't totally wrong. Let me back up, though. So Mercury's, you know, upcoming transit through Capricorn will also feature a retrograde cycle. So there's something interesting there. These planets revisiting a certain ground where they had some challenges before. They're here to, you know, try again or make good on something or, uh, you know, in Mercury's case, go back over that ground again. So we're going to get a real up close and personal look at our Capricorn houses in December and January as far as Mercury is concerned and the sun and Venus. So let's do this. Let's dive in. All right, so first up we have, uh, this is on December 4th, we'll have Venus in Sagittarius squaring Neptune in Pisces at 22 degrees. This is confusion around relationships. We're dealing with letdowns or disappointments. Someone turns out to be not what they seemed. It's kind of the ultimate aspect for romanticizing. You know, like when we really think that we can change someone or that, you know, this aspect, this thing about this person isn't as much of a red flag as everybody thinks, you know, but we're just not seeing things clearly. We have those rose colored glasses on for someone or something. Neptune really dissolves things. You know, it tends to dissolve boundaries. It dissolves uh, energy. So like in a heavy Neptune transit, we might accidentally take on, not accidentally, but we might find ourselves taking on the energy of somebody else. But that also means that like our joy and our pleasure can be boundless when, you know, hanging around with Venus. But because of the square formation, it's just important to be mindful of where that's being directed. Going back to this idea of dealing with letdowns and disappointments, it's maybe a good time to kind of examine our expectations around people, projects, things, whatever. Are people not meeting our expectations or are our expectations too high or even unreasonable? I think both are possible. Like we can, you know, look within and be like, all right, I really need to temper that expectation. That's unfair. I can't ask that of that person. But also like if you've been clear about what you need in a relationship and the person just isn't meeting it, that's also something to reflect on and consider moving forward. I wouldn't make any hasty decisions with Neptune in the mix. I would wait for that energy to dissipate, but it's a good time to start thinking about it. Neptune transits are always great for getting lost in your imagination or the imagination of others, like with a good book or a film or a TV show or your favorite album. And with Venus and Sagittarius, stories about far-off places or the fantasy genre might be particularly intriguing. Neptune transits are not productive, and when they're in a square aspect, they sort of heighten the potential for fogginess and uncertainty, which I think can be useful for being creative in a sense and just kind of allowing our higher self or spirit or the universe, whatever you like to say, come through us and use us as a channel. But it's not great for like meeting a deadline or making a schedule. 
I think it's a good time to allow yourself to daydream a little bit, but just remember that that's what you're doing. Remember that when you come back to reality, we can't bring those daydream expectations with us. And it's not that we shouldn't have dreams, but it's okay to fantasize about things and also understand that that's not reality. So then we move to December 6th and we have two things happening. So the first is that Mercury in Sagittarius is squaring Jupiter in Pisces at 29 degrees. So this is right before Mercury heads into Capricorn. We'll talk about that in just a second. Now squares are trickier aspects. You've probably heard me say this before. But with Jupiter being involved, and especially because Jupiter is in one of its domicile signs, and it is ruling over Mercury over in Sagittarius, its other domicile, the challenges kind of show up in a more positive-leaning way. Like, we're not necessarily navigating heavier feelings and energies, but we might be feeling the kind of overwhelm that can come from being overstimulated and super excited about something, and then, you know, kind of overestimating what we're capable of despite only having 24 hours in a day and needing some of those hours for rest. Jupiter tends to expand everything it touches. So remember, we talked about Mercury and Sagittarius, I believe on the Sagittarius episode, about wanting to do all the things all at the same time. Well, so here in this aspect, it might have us saying like big capital letters, Y-E-S, yes, to way too many things, stretching us way too thin. And sometimes when faced with the option of going big or going home, we should go home and just come back another day or like go medium or something. We are only but one human. We need time to rest. But if there is a lot of that energy and that desire for expansion, then we can maybe think about the ways in which we can expand our mind, expand the way we think about things, expand our perspectives through, you know, lived experience, which could be going out and traveling somewhere, but it could also be reading a book that you might normally not read or watching a show you might normally not watch to you know, round out a perspective on something, have a conversation with somebody that brings something different than you could to the table. This is, you know, this falls under the umbrella sort of of like going outside of your comfort zone, right? Which is a good thing in the end, but a very vulnerable and exposing place to be while you're doing it. You are stretching. You are outside of the comfort zone. So By the very definition, you are in an uncomfortable spot. And yes, it leads to growth and it leads to change and evolution and it's all fabulous. But be easy on yourself and don't feel like you have to be expanding in 17 different ways at once. We can choose something and then really focus on it. And there is something about like adjustments are needed in order to make the small details and data, which is Mercury fit better with the long-term vision, which is Jupiter. And really, if that small stuff can kind of just take a back seat for like 12 hours, then Mercury will be in Capricorn where it has a much more stable head on its shoulders. Mercury here is much more relaxed and willing to sit back and think things through 
make a realistic plan about how to move forward and even problem solve some of the actions we took while Mercury was in Sagittarius that maybe didn't work out so great. Our thinking here is a lot more grounded. With Saturn as Mercury's guide, there is a push towards thinking about the future in terms of finding the most solid and stable path forward. We want to set ourselves up for success tomorrow and next week and not give in to the impulses of today. Our communication is a lot more straightforward and logical. We can have more objective conversations. Now, Saturn and Mercury together can bring some heavier mental energies because Saturn can stir up anxiety. But I think because Mercury is just in such much better condition here than in Sagittarius, the sign of its detriment, we're still going to be breathing a sort of sigh of relief as Mercury moves into Capricorn. And I am curious to see how this will also shift the Mars retrograde energy, seeing as, you know, it's in Gemini, so being ruled by Mercury. I'm really hoping that this is a overall lessening of that mental scatteredness and kind of overstimulation overall. You know, Mercury hasn't really been in a position to provide that for the Mars retrograde in Gemini or Mars in Gemini in general for a while because, you know, even when it was in Libra where it it tends to do pretty well, there was just so much air energy in the cosmos that it was kind of tipping the scales a little too far to one end. And then during Scorpio season, it was co-present with the South Node, which is destabilizing all in its own right. And then it's in detriment in Sagittarius. So moving into Capricorn for Mercury, I think is a big deal. And yes, it is going to have a retrograde cycle here, but Mercury retrograde is like, we got this guys. It's so normal. And it, you know what? It's funny because the more I study astrology, the more I realize like Mercury retrograde, yes, it brings its miscommunications. It brings its mix-ups and flubs and errors and annoyances, but like it's consistent. It happens every few months in the year. It happens three times a year. We can expect it. We can plan for it. Mercury retrograde is nothing. Okay, is something. And it's especially, you know, more difficult for people that are dealing with specific Mercury transits, yada, yada, yada. But like, we got this, okay? All right, but before we can maybe feel super settled into the Mercury and Capricorn energy, we are going to have to contend with the super intense full moon in Gemini happening on December 7th at 16 degrees Gemini. It is happening pretty late in the day in the Eastern time zone, so this is definitely going to be seeping into December 8th as well. All right, so why is it so intense? Well, full moons are always a time of heightened energy regardless. They bring things to a peak point. They shine a massive light on something. If you want to dig deeper, a little deeper anyway, into the full moon, you could go back to the lunar phases episode that I did. There, there's an episode title that I remembered. Not title, but theme, whatever, you know what I meant. But yeah, so they bring things to a peak point. They shine a massive light on something. They activate those wolves inside of all of us and kind of get our emotions bubbling up. And it's you know, it's not good or bad. It's kind of neutral. It really depends on what's happening around it and how it's impacting your chart. And so 
This full moon happens to be conjunct Mars retrograde. A conjunction is when the two planets are at the same degree of the zodiac. So Mars and the moon are both at 16 degrees of Gemini, and the sun is just shining all of its light over there. And so obviously that means that the sun will also be in an opposition with Mars, an aspect of which goes exact like an hour and a half after the full moon. So that's just going to carry that energy through to the next day, but we will talk about that in a second. So the oppositional energy here between the sun and the moon is kind of doubled, right, with the moon being so close to Mars. And it's sort of like being fully illuminated by the sun's light that is being shone onto the moon. Like it's the, you know, the spotlight of the sun is on both the moon and Mars at this time. And the mix of it all is just kind of agitating and overstimulating and a little bit volatile. There's so much fucking mutable energy right now. I want to pull my hair out, to be quite honest. Like Venus and the sun are in Sagittarius, Jupiter and Neptune are in Pisces, and Mars and the moon are in Gemini. Like it's a lot. And it just feels like burnout to me. Like we're trying to do too much. And I do feel like a broken record because this has been a theme for so long now. Like Mars and Gemini is a really big lesson about navigating that mental overwhelm and that overactivation. And I think this full moon comes in and says, okay, what have you learned? Like, let's take a really close look. And maybe that's going to be confronting for a lot of us, you know, whether or not we have been doing the quote unquote work for this Mars retrograde. It's kind of a time of like, all right, let's see it. Like, we're shining a light on the work. What have we done? And that will carry through to the next day with another aspect I'll talk about in a minute. Okay, now to be fair to mutable energy and mutable signs, and like, honestly, it's no shade. I have planets and angles in mutable signs. I just struggle with it when there's so much of it. But mutable energy can help us to shift gears super quickly. So like, even if we do make a decision or take an action that we later regret, There is more ease with pivoting and trying again and moving on. And that is, you know, when Mars is in the mix, Mars wants us to move forward. It wants us to make decisions. It wants us to get things done. I don't advise it under this full moon. You're going to do what you're going to do. But that mutable energy will likely be there to help you pivot if you step in the shit. Thank goodness, though, that Mercury has already moved into Capricorn which will offer some level of calm and chill to the mix because it is the ruler of the full moon, right? Mercury rules Gemini, so it's ruling this lunation. And I'm really hoping that this helps us to stay grounded, keep a reasonable mindset. Even if that's only within the Capricorn parts of our chart, it'll be the place where we can uh, touch grass, as the kids are saying, which really doesn't feel like an insult but just really great life advice for when social media or the world, you know, starts taking over your life and gets to be too much. Maybe I'm using it wrong. I'm not always down with MTV. So, you know, anyways, it's a big full moon. It feels for me when I look at the chart, it feels way more intense than the recent eclipses. I don't know. Honestly, I think 
you all know how over this Mars in Gemini I am. Like if Mars decided, you know what? I think I'm just going to be done with Gemini for the next uh, 50 years and just never visit there again. Like I would not be mad. So then, as I mentioned, the sun and Mars are facing off just about an hour or so after the full moon. So this is technically on December 8th, still at 16 degrees. And even though this isn't the nicest energy, it does mean that we're halfway through the Mars retrograde. Praise Venus, praise the goddess, praise all things beautiful and sacred. We're not out of those woods yet, but we are moving towards the exit and every step gets us that much closer. We are five weeks out from this retrograde ending. Whew. Whew. However, this is still a tricky energy to navigate. It's a very me versus you kind of energy or a me versus my energy levels or me versus my desires, which like you are your desires and your energy levels. But you know how sometimes we can feel like we want to push against our bodies or our better interests because, you know, we just want to get this shit done or we, we want to be able to like claim this or whatever. That's kind of what this feels like to me. It's another real peak point in the ongoing story of Mars and Gemini. So if we do see this playing out with other people, it could definitely mean a clashing of priorities, um, differences in opinion, heated battles, tenuous situations. So, you know, working well with others is kind of for another day. You know, if you have to collaborate, Definitely know that it's possible to navigate the differences, but a lot of patience will be required, as is an understanding that you probably want the same or similar outcomes, but your starting points are very different. And that's the opposition coming into play, right? So Mars over in Gemini and the Sun over in Sagittarius, they are looking at life in two completely different ways, but let's say they both they both want to get to like the center. They both want to figure out how to work together, but they're just taking a different path. So personally, I think a lot of this Mars and Gemini story for me has been about learning to cut things away. And Mars loves to cut things. It's all about slicing and dicing until all that's left is what really matters. The outcome is positive, but the process is exhausting. I feel like with the sun in opposition, we're learning to cut away things that don't serve our identity, the things that have been stopping us from truly shining in the ways we're meant to shine, all the ways we dim our own light, possibly to make others more comfortable. So like, I'm not suggesting we put on this combative front or combative face, but I do think we should let Mars come in and say like, okay, babes. Let's get so fucking real right now. Is this thing we get from these projects and these people good for us? No? Okay, cut, cut, snip, snip, bye-bye then. And it doesn't even have to be a thing we do or an action we take today, like on December 8th, but it can just be about noticing the vibes we get from projects and people and just really taking that into account. And then for, you know, the second half of this retrograde, we start making those cuts. This is a major turning point for the retrograde, but also Sagittarius season in general. And I think we get the opportunity to go into the second half of it with a much clearer frame of mind. 
especially with what happens on December 9th. Now, in my humble opinion, I think this is a great way to finish the week. Venus is now repeating what Mercury did earlier in the week by squaring Jupiter and then heading into Capricorn. So first, the square. This is even more positive than with Mercury because Venus and Jupiter are both the benefics. And so the kind of problems that they tend to bring about when in a difficult aspect like the square are much more sweeter and easeful problems. Sometimes they're like, you know, the good problems to have, right? Which are still problems, but really not the same. So Venus square Jupiter is happening, like I said, on December 9th at that same degree, 29 degrees. And it can be a lot about growth within relationships, even if that means we want to move in different directions while staying together. For any of you that have been in a super long-term relationship, you might be able to identify with the idea that doing the same thing together all the time is not great for either of you. Maybe it is for some people. All relationships are different, right? But I do think about my long-term relationship and like the more we've been able to branch out and do different things, the more we have to then come back and share with one another and be excited for one another about. And I don't know, that growth within relationships I think is really positive and could be something we experience under this aspect. A big thing about this aspect though is kind of there's, (laughs) there's a really big generosity aspect to it. There's a really big kind of like grand gesture energy to it. Like you put Venus and Jupiter together and Jupiter just expands the love and the joy and the cravings for closeness and the abundance that Venus already has to offer. Jupiter is also a very generous and giving planet. So the two of them together is a lot, but like under the square aspect, we might go too far or we might do this grand gesture that really misses the mark. I don't know. Like it kind of reminds me of somebody getting proposed to in public and they're just like, oh God, this is so awkward. But it it doesn't have to even be like that epic or big. So I don't know about you, but I have experienced this with friends and my partner where, you know, not the proposal part, but where they do something nice in an effort to show gratitude or bring me some kind of joy. Their intentions are only the best, but they haven't really listened or cued into what I genuinely need from them. So the gesture winds up feeling empty might not be the right word, but miss the mark is really, you know, the best thing I can come up with. So If we are the person that's feeling super generous and super full of abundance that we want to share with others, let's really consider what the person we want to shower our gifts with might actually need. You know, like if somebody, if if your partner has been talking about how much they hate cleaning the house and how it would be nice if somebody else did it for, you know, once in a while. But then the partner brings home cookies to be like, here, this is a treat for after you clean. Well, thanks for the cookies, but it wasn't really the grand gesture that I wanted. Now, that's a very basic, not personal at all example. And I'm sure that you can extract your own example from that. 
Point being, let's just consider, you know, we want to show our gratitude, but in what ways will that actually come across to the person we want to show it to? Now, another angle here, though, is the idea of receiving. So if we're on the end of the gift giving and we feel like, whoa, this is too much, why is that? Is it truly too much? And for the record, cookies isn't too much. I was getting more at the idea of like, the missing the mark aspect. So is it truly too much? Or is it that we maybe feel unworthy of whatever's being offered? And this is where the one card for this episode comes in because I really thought a lot about the Empress while considering Venus squared Jupiter. The Empress is a card that constantly reminds me of how I am worthy to receive what's meant for me. Receiving can be very difficult if you've spent a lifetime thinking you don't deserve things or like, who are you to accept this? What have you even done to earn it? Instead of just being like, you know, I'm a human and I deserve to be shown gratitude and love and, you know. So the gesture might bring up issues around self-worth and self-love. And yeah, if somebody totally misses the mark or crosses a boundary, that's different. And this is not what I'm talking about. But like when people want to do real nice things for you, it kind of makes you self-reflect and be like, oh man, they like me that much? Is this real? What do what did I even do to be loved like this? Like maybe it's a kind of imposter syndrome. Like, oh my God, what if they do this for me and then they realize I'm not even worth it? It's so complicated. And the empress is kind of just like, babe, you deserve it. You are enough. Let them shower you with the abundance and let it feel joyful. It's okay to take things in. And it's okay to take things in without immediately being like, how do I give back? Let your cup be filled. And at another occasion, you will be able to fill another's cup. Okay, and then finally, Venus will also move into Capricorn on December 9th after it squares off with Venus. And even though she's not in a difficult position while in Sagittarius, Capricorn is even better because she has what's known as triplicity rulership in all the earth signs. So in Capricorn, she's on much more familiar soil. Venus in Capricorn can help us to develop the most sustainable, nourishing, and long-lasting relationships in this part of our lives. Or even just the, the themes associated with wherever your Capricorn house is, So if it has to do, you know, if it's second house and it's dealing with money, then it's sustainable and nourishing and long-lasting relationships around money or um, approaches to money or getting, you know, a more long-term budget and being more easeful with money, that kind of thing. Venus brings an ease and a sweetness to the topics and relationships of our Capricorn house. It's more of that cooling and calming energy. And because Saturn rules over Capricorn, I feel like we can really commit to joy and commit to pleasure with Venus here. We can commit to relationships, you know, with Saturn being the thing that helps us with adulting, like commitment and responsibility, and Venus being the joy and the pleasure and the relationships. Venus in Sagittarius was ready for something new, an adventure. In Capricorn, she's ready to put down roots and sink into a more stable routine and a more reliable rhythm. I feel like Venus is extra generative in Earth signs, and in Capricorn, it's a generativity that 
is directed at the future. It wants us to examine our desires and our connections and make sure they're still in alignment, that they're nourishing and satisfying us. And if not, what are we craving instead in terms of pleasure and joy and connection? And how can we make that a reality? And that's it. That's the end of the week. There are no aspects on the 10th of December. And, you know, then we get into kind of pretty much the second half of the month. So I hope I illustrated how this is a turning point and how we're, you know, wrapping up those kind of last minute details and and challenges even within Sagittarius and then starting the shift into Capricorn with Mercury and Venus and I don't know, let me know what you thought about this sort of look at the week ahead. I hesitate to say that it's something I could do all the time. To be honest, not every week excites me in the same way. Maybe, you know, that's something to look at within myself. I don't know that I'll have time to do a week ahead forecast all the time, but if you did really enjoy it, I would love to know because it's maybe something that I could you know, do a little more often moving into 2023. So hopefully this has been helpful in any case, even if you don't want any more of it, but hopefully it's been helpful to navigate the week of December 4th to December 10th. I'm wishing you all an easeful, restful, chill, full moon. Try not to put yourself in any situations that could just like, you know, really play into the electric and exciting energies that are out there. I feel like events like that in astrology make me want to hang out with the people that I really know and really love and really trust because there's something about that intimate circle that, I mean, they're there for a reason, right? And even when some shit goes down, those are the things we're fighting for. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. i I wish you the best for the full moon. I wish you the best for this turning point in the season and in so many sort of like little astrological stories. You can always come and hang out with me on Instagram at the stars turn at damn fine witch. And is anybody else checking out Hive, another social media app? I've been hanging out there at damn fine witch. I'm liking the slow, chill vibes. Come check it out. Come find me if you're over there. And yeah, I'll be back soon. Not sure if we'll have an episode in between this one and Capricorn season, but I will be back at some point. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. And until next time, I'll catch you in the cosmos. (laughs) 